recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. God's Word and around communion and uh, just encourage you with a couple of thoughts this morning. And I want to talk to you about second chances. Second chances. They say that you don't get a second chance at a first impression. And maybe like that, uh, there's other things that we might not get a second chance at. Maybe you blew a job interview or a relationship that just went bad and you kind of, you knew that that was going to be it. You were not going to get another chance to do that. You're not going to get a do-over. But you know, in life, there's lots of other ways that we do get second chances. Uh, we do have opportunities to do things over again. Maybe you know, a, a conversation that we can have with someone that we just did terribly the first time around and we can apologize and, and ask for another opportunity to have that conversation again. And here we are. Uh, second time around, second chance at lockdown. Um, uh, second chance at putting on a online service for our church. And again, I want to thank our team for doing such a great job in responding so quickly and being able to look at all the rules. And there's a lot of them and see what we can and can't do. And you can rest assured that we're not breaking any rules. We've made sure that we're doing everything right. Um, and so again, thank you to our team that were willing to step up at the last minute and say, yep, turn up and, and provide this service. And I wonder how you're feeling about this second go at lockdown. Um, again, compared to the rest of the world and many other places, we've been so blessed that we've had such a good run of being able to meet face to face and do things face to face. But I wonder how you're feeling with this second chance at lockdown. And maybe... You, you're an introvert and you're excited. You're looking forward to just being at home and not having anything to do with anyone and just working from home and being isolated. Maybe you're looking forward to that. Maybe there's some home renovation projects that you missed out on when everything went back and now you're going, oh, I can finish that. Maybe you're looking forward to this time. Maybe you're thinking, oh, well, it's not really going to change anything for me. Not going to really make much of a difference. Uh, life will just go on and maybe you're just feeling really indifferent and blasé about all of it. Or maybe you're among maybe several people, many people that are really distressed and anxious and worried and uh, yeah, really struggling with the next, the possibility of what the next two weeks will look like. And maybe you remember how it was the first time around and how hard and difficult you found that and you're not looking forward to these next two, two weeks and potentially what it might look like uh, drawn out for you. Wherever you're at, I, I want you to think about this idea of second chances and what you would do if you were given the opportunity to do something again. Maybe something that you messed up and you got really wrong and you regretted and you wish you could do again. And I want to read you a couple of Bible passages um, that engage with this idea of second chances. And it has to do with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And so if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 10. And this is a really, really familiar passage. 
Um, you know, all the, the workers in, in church life always feel convicted whenever this passage is referred to. And all the people who just love enjoying the presence of Jesus and not doing a lot love this passage because it gives them the, it seems like the license to do that. So let me read you Luke chapter 10, verses 38 onwards. It says this, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a, a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. I want to ask you a question. If you were Martha and Jesus said that to you and you had the opportunity to do that over again, what would you do? What would you do with that second chance? What would you do differently? And so as you think about COVID and and the lockdown at the moment, thinking about the reality that church might not be on for the next two weeks, I'm going to ask you the same question. We have a second chance to think about how we can maintain and grow and develop our relationship with Jesus in lockdown. What would you do differently? Would you do things the same? Would you do things differently? Would you try different things? Would you have a go at stepping out and reconsidering how you might do your relationship with Jesus differently this time around? Well, if we go to John chapter 12, Mary and Martha and Lazarus, Lazarus, they do get a second chance. They they do get a second go at this. And we know that Jesus was really good friends with his family. And so I'm sure he spent a lot of time in their home as he was moving about doing ministry. But in John chapter 12, we're actually given another insight into this time that Jesus had with this family. And I want to read you this in John chapter 12. If you want to turn there, I encourage you to do that. Some interesting observations I'd like to make here. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. So again, a meal is the scene. Jesus is wanting to spend time with his friends. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected, why hasn't this perfume, uh, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Interesting. So here we are, they get a second chance and what do we see Martha doing? The same thing she did the last time. Her response is 
given to us in two words, Martha served. Still distracted by many things. And here we, we find that we're at the end of Jesus' life. There's a limited time that this family was going to have to spend with Jesus. Jesus says, you will not always have me. And here's Martha still busy, distracted, preoccupied, doing stuff. And maybe there were things that needed to be done. And I'm not saying that, you know, everybody should just stop what they're doing and just hang out with Jesus. But I think it's interesting that John just says that Martha served. And I wonder if she missed a unique opportunity that she had to spend time with Jesus in these last days of having Jesus with them. Lazarus, well, it says that he was among those reclining at the table with him. The impression we get is, ah, Lazarus was just indifferent. He was just, he was just there. He was doing what everybody else was doing, just reclining at the table. And let's give Lazarus a break. The guy was dead, right, just a little while ago. You know, now he's been resurrected and kind of dying and coming back to life. I'm sure it was a very disorienting experience. Maybe he was just kind of going, where am I? What's going on? How, how many days did I miss? You know, squatting this weird place. And so he's just kind of hanging back, just reclining at the table, just kind of going, I just got to take it easy. Maybe he was under doctor's orders. Hey, don't do anything stressful. Don't do anything radical. Just take it easy for the next few days. You've had a traumatic experience. Maybe, we don't know. But all we're told was Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with Jesus. But then Mary, Mary, Mary in, in, in Luke's account, we're told her, her sister rebuked her and was wanting Jesus to say something, but Jesus defends her and commends her for sitting at his feet and listening to Jesus. Here, she takes it to the next level. It's not just about sitting and listening to Jesus. She sacrifices something so precious in an act of extravagant worship and devotion to Jesus. Jesus commends her again as he defends her again against, against what Judas was saying and is commending her sacrifice, commending this act of love and devotion and worship. Extravagant, unashamed love being displayed to Jesus and preparing Jesus' body for burial. In Luke chapter 7, we're told of another uh, incident very, very similar to this where Jesus was at a Pharisee's house named Simon and another woman comes and does a very similar act. And in, again, that, that in the host, Simon, is really kind of troubled by this extravagant display of love. And Jesus explains it by saying, people who've been forgiven much love much. They love much. And this woman is doing this extravagant act of devotion and, and, and worship because she's been forgiven her many sins and she loves greatly because of that. And I, perhaps Mary here is doing the same thing for Jesus because she was so aware of how much she'd been forgiven, how loved she was by Jesus and what Jesus was going to accomplish, which she probably wouldn't have fully understood, but already she was just so overwhelmed with love and devotion to Jesus. Here's a question for you. I wonder what your worship expression says about your love for Jesus. I wonder what your worship expression says about your awareness of how much you've been forgiven. See, the Bible says in, in, in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that each of us, because of Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross, have been given a second chance. 
It says that all those who are in Christ become new creations. The old life is passed away and our lives become new. We get a fresh start. It's like we're given, uh, we're taken into this witness relocation program and our old life disappears and we get a new identity and we become new in Jesus. That is what we remember every time we come to communion. That through the death and resurrection of Jesus, through His suffering on the cross, you and I have received a second chance. We've been forgiven. We've been brought into the family of God. We've been made and declared righteous by Jesus. We get a fresh start. That's what we remember as we think about the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus that we've all been given a new beginning, a new life in Jesus. And it's not just a one-off deal either. I don't know if parents, whether your kids own one of these, but our kids did. It's called a magna doodle. I don't know if you, you've seen these things. It's a little uh, sketch thing that has these metal filings and a magnet over the top. And you can draw and you can scribble and then you slide the thing across and everything disappears. And then you can scribble, scribble, and you slide it and everything disappears. And the Bible says in 1 John that the gospel gives us that assurance that when we come before Jesus every day, moment by moment, confessing our sins, repenting of them, humbling ourselves before Him, we can receive His grace and forgiveness, that we're being renewed by God's Spirit every day, that the old life is losing its power and grip on us moment by moment, and that we're receiving moment by moment the new life that Jesus has for us in the Holy Spirit. It's not just a one-off deal. Jesus is not just the God of the second chance, but the third and the fourth and the fifth and the 486th and the 977th chance because of the cross, because of His death, because of His resurrection that we remember. And so as we come around this time of communion, I want to ask you the questions I began with. What will you do differently with the second chance of lockdown? Would you be like Martha and still busy yourself with a whole bunch of activity and doing a whole bunch of things and, and neglecting the opportunity you and I have to be with Jesus? Or will we be, be like Lazarus, indifferent and just do what everybody else is doing and just go, oh, look, it's too hard, it's too difficult. I'm just gonna do what I've always done and, and that's okay, that's good enough. Or will you be like Mary? who has a fresh revelation of the second chance you have in Jesus, this new life that you have in Jesus, how much you've been forgiven and, and that you'll be so overwhelmed with gratitude and devotion that you will take your worship to the next level, your, your devotion, your love to the next level and it will be more extravagant, more expressive, more surrendered, more carefree because you just want to show Jesus how much you love him because of all that he's done to save you. I, I pray that all of us would have that kind of experience, a merry kind of moment where our relationship with Jesus is strengthened in this time as we sit at his feet, as we worship him, as we remember how much we've been forgiven. And in this moment, I invite you to take the bit of bread, a biscuit, whatever it is you're using that represents the broken body of Jesus. He shed 
blood as we drink the juice. And just take a moment to reflect on how much you've been forgiven. Reflect for a moment on the second chance, the 10th chance, the 485th chance that you've been given as Jesus time and time and time again washes your slate clean. Clean because of His blood shed on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you for sending Jesus to be our substitute, to die on the cross for us, to take our punishment, our sin, to bear it on his body as it was beaten and plastered on that cross. We thank you for his body that was broken. Jesus, thank you that you embraced the cross for us. Thank you for the blood that was poured out, that was spilled. Thank you for the blood of the new covenant. Thank you that through your blood, our sins have been atoned for and we are declared righteous, that we are made clean. Our slate is wiped clean and we're given new life in Jesus. And our old life is passed away. Thank you that we've been forgiven so much. And Lord, I pray that in the days and weeks that lie ahead with all of the uncertainty, that Lord, we would make the most of this opportunity to spend time with you, to grow in our relationship with you, to show you our appreciation and gratitude in extravagant ways like Mary did. Because of your great love for us, may we true too respond with great love for you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's eat and drink together. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.